0: Beloved, open your Bibles with me to Mark, to so the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, and uh, we're going to begin looking this morning in verse 40. And, you know, with this text this morning, we are coming to the end of the first chapter of Mark, the, the end of, of really the Lord's preaching and teaching ministry tour in Galilee, um, Mark tells us here in this last verse, we're going to read in just a moment, that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. And so the question, of course, is what is it? What, what event would cause Christ's traveling preaching to come to an end? What event would cause his ministry of going throughout the towns of Galilee uh, to come to a close? And the answer is only what was probably the most jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring, astonishing, terrifying miracle that the Lord had worked to date. this miraculous cleansing of an unnamed man in an unnamed location who, as Luke tells us in his gospel, was full. Of leprosy. And so I want us to stand and thank you for that. I need the light. Uh, I want you to stand with me and let's read from Mark chapter one and beginning in verse 40. These words, look at it with me. Mark records for us. This is the word of God. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's pray together. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, it is so good. It is so good to hear the sound of your word read and entering our ears and entering our hearts. Father, your word is life and we thank you for it. Your word is life because you are the life giver and the gospel testifies of Christ who is the way and the truth and the life. And I pray, Lord God, that as we approach this text this morning, we would do so with reverence. We do so with, with awe. We would do so realizing that, Lord, this is a scene of incredible glory. A scene of, of, of matchless majesty as Christ touched and cleansed a man full of leprosy. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us not only to behold the scene, help us do that, help us enter into this scene, but also help us, Lord God, to understand and behold the truth that is is in and through and under this account. I'm asking, Lord God, that you would empty me of myself and grant me the unction of the Holy Spirit, so that I could speak and preach and teach your words effectively, faithfully, in power, and, Father, in in complete submission to you. And I pray that by your Spirit you would make every heart here ready to receive these words, whether they are a believer, Lord God, whether they they are not yet in Christ, I pray that these words would impact each one of our souls powerfully. I pray we would be moved by what we read here. And so, Lord, to that end, I pray you, you do your work in our midst. Please come and powerfully manifest yourself in our presence that we might behold the glory of God in the face of Christ. And so, Lord God, that this time would be of eternal benefit to your people. Thank you that you love us as you do. Thank you for your great grace and mercy that we have received Lord, help us to just be in awe as we consider what we've read this morning. I pray these things in Christ's holy and blessed name. Amen. You know, beloved, in this whole first chapter of the gospel, Mark has been describing for us a series of moments and miracles, right? Of moments and miracles that authenticate the person of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God, right? And most recently we've seen sort of the miracle, and it is that, as those who, as these, as these sinners, these sinful men and women in the synagogue hear Him preach, And understand that when he is preaching, he is speaking the word of God with an authority and with a power unlike anything that they have ever heard before. And then we see this miracle of him exposing and expunging a demon from their midst in the synagogue. And then... Immediately, we see his miraculous healing of Simon's mother in law, his subsequent healing of the masses in Capernaum, his further casting out of demons, and they're all powerful miracles, right? They're all, you know, awe inspiring miracles, authenticating the Lord Jesus Christ. And more importantly, meant to authenticate his gospel message, right? Each of them paving the way for you know, a greater you know, expanse and, and, and spread of his ministry. But this miracle of cleansing a leper and the events that follow ended Christ's preaching tour. in the towns of Galilee. And he returns after this to Capernaum and he deals with a series of five controversies that will begin next week why is that the case it's because of the astonishing wonder of this healing and this miracle we need, to get, we need to understand, beloved, the, the situation, the, the, the reality of, of leprosy. There were a number of lesser skin diseases that were classified as leprosy in the Old Testament, right? But that's not what is in view here. Again, I want to remind you that Luke describes this man in his parallel account as being full of leprosy. In other words, this man who comes to Jesus, this unnamed man in this unnamed location, this unnamed town, this man who comes to Jesus has the worst kind of leprosy that's known to man. In other words, we might say in our colloquialism that he was eaten up with it. In other words, he was at the end stage of the worst kind of this dreaded disease, all of the Of all the diseases of Jesus' day, the most feared, the most gruesome, the the, the most dreaded and and horrific and repulsive, it was leprosy. It was leprosy because there was no known cure. It was terrible. Leprosy would begin with with a pain in a certain area of your body, you know, maybe somewhere where you didn't even injure yourself, but you would feel this sort of pain, and then numbness would follow. And the skin that was in that location of that pain, it would begin to lose its original color. It would become thick. It would become glossy. It would become scaly. And from that one patch, it would begin, this problem would begin to spread over the entirety of your body. And as the sickness progressed, the the thickened spots became dirty sores. They became open ulcers due to poor blood supply. The skin that was around the, the eyes and the ears began to bunch up from swelling. And there would be these deep furrows, these grooves in the person's Face so that the face of the afflicted individual would begin to resemble the face of of, of a lion, like the cowardly lion. You remember from, from, um, what's the name of that? Yeah, thanks, Wizard of Oz. Many times, someone's nose would disappear entirely, either from the swollenness that overtook it or because of loss of blood that would turn the nose necrotic and it would fall off. Same thing would happen to fingers and toes. The leper, because he had no sensation of pain in any of his extremities, his injuries would rapidly turn gangrenous because he didn't even know he had them. Ulcers and open wounds were everywhere on this person's body and it would exude this this, this putrid and, and, and horrifically smelling yellowish brown fluid. Eyebrows and Eyelashes drop out. Their eyes would take on a dull and glassy appearance. Breathing and movement would become labored and exhausted. And because the disease attacked, attacks the larynx, the, the leper's voice would take on this grating and hoarse sound. And to be around a leper assaulted all your all of your senses. All of them. You'd see this misshapen and grotesque form. You'd smell his rotting flesh as it decomposed. You could hear the effects of the disease in the voice. And if you spent much time in his presence, you would begin to have a particular taste in your mouth. Leprosy reduced someone to a subhuman existence. It was a living death. It had sweeping implications. If you were suspected of having leprosy, you had to present yourself to the priests. They would perform certain tests on you that were described in Leviticus 13. And if you were declared to be a leper, you were unclean. You were cut off from your family and from society. And Leviticus prescribed certain behaviors that you needed to follow. In Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46, we read these words. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain outside. I'm sorry, he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be out the camp a leper wasn't allowed in Jerusalem he wasn't allowed in any of the walled cities that were in Israel a leper wasn't allowed to go to the temple a leper was doomed to a life of lonely exile or in a colony of lepers and the rabbis made extra rules to make it even worse what a surprise The rabbis made it illegal to even greet a leper. There was one leper who was famed for his accuracy in throwing rocks at lepers. They made it so that if a leper was downwind of you, he had to be at least six feet away. But if he was upwind, he had to be 150 feet away if the leper even so much as passed by a home or, God forbid, stuck his head inside of it, that home was immediately considered to be unclean. And nobody dared touch a leper. You didn't touch a leper because to touch a leper would make you ceremonially unclean. And so, by the masses... Lepers were considered utterly wicked. They were considered obviously guilty of some great personal sin, and under the curse of God, why else would they have this disease? He was the ultimate outcast. And that's what that's what, what was that that was the state of this man who made his way to Jesus. Now, if we only read the the account of Mark, it seems like Jesus is out somewhere by himself when the leper stumbles into his presence, but that's not the situation here. In fact, if we read the other synoptic gospels, Matthew and Luke, we find out there was a great crowd around the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a great crowd around Jesus And so I want you to try to imagine this scene for a moment. As a man who is an outcast from society, as a man who isn't even to be greeted, as a man who is to be treated as subhuman, this disfigured and repulsive and grotesque and misshapen man makes his way to Christ with the odor of his flesh hanging in the air. And the sound of his voice rasping out, unclean, unclean. But nobody would stay in his way. They would have all fled from his presence. It was like a monster all of a sudden invaded this idyllic moment in Christ's life with the people. Here comes this grotesque thing. And there was no compassion for him. There was no heart that hurt for him save for the heart of Christ. There was no compassion save for the compassion of Christ that leads to a miraculous cleansing of awesome proportions. I want you to look at this. Look what Mark says in verse 40. And a leper came to him And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. If you will, you can make me clean. Mark's statement there is a pretty simple one, isn't it? Isn't it? But we gotta ask ourselves, what is it? What is it that makes this man boldly come to Jesus? What is it that makes him ignore all of the rules of the rabbis, ignoring all the the conventions of, of polite society, ignoring the crowd to kneel before the Lord Jesus Christ in reverence, to urgently beg his help, to seek healing that he is convinced can only be found at the foot of Christ. What is it that motivates this man? I don't get the sense, beloved, I really don't get the sense that this is a knee-jerk thing that this man does. I don't get that sense. I, get, I mean, this statement, right, if you will, you can make me clean. We'll talk about that in a moment. But that's not just some, you know, I'm throwing it out there to see if something good might happen for me. That's not it. Not at all. How did, he, how did he come to this moment? We can only surmise, beloved, that he'd heard of Christ's power to heal, right? That he'd heard of his supremacy over demonic spirits. That he'd heard of his great and mighty works that the Lord Jesus Christ has done. And we got to ask ourselves, you know, is it possible that this leper has come to believe that Christ is the Son of God? Is that possible? We know that over in Matthew he addresses him as Lord. Is is, is that what's taking place? Mark doesn't tell us, but here's one thing we do know, okay? Here's one thing that we do know. Only God can cleanse a leper. That's it. You look through the history of the book. Only God cleanses lepers. Only God heals lepers. Has this man come to to know that that Jesus is the Son of God? I, I don't know. We do know from Matthew, though, again, that he comes to Jesus after the Lord had left the mountain where he preached the Sermon on the Mount, and he calls him Lord. Maybe he was off in the distance. Maybe he was hiding behind a rock, listening as Jesus preached. The Sermon on the Mount, I don't know, but what I do know is this, only God could cleanse a leper and no one and nothing else in this world could, could help him in his pitiful condition. Doctors were of no help. Doctors were of no help at all. There was nothing they could do, zero. The priests were of no help. Even the law of Moses couldn't help him. Think about that. The law of Moses could not help him. This leprous man. The law of Moses, of course, could, could, could declare him a leper. It could tell him that leprosy was bad. The law of Moses could, could tell him how he was to leave live. But the law of Moses was powerless to cleanse him of his plight. He was a man that with no hope. Except Christ. He was a man who not only called himself unclean, he knew he was unclean. And because he was, there was nobody he could hope in but Jesus. Like, see, here's the thing about a leper. A leper wasn't fooled about his condition. You know how sinners lots of times are fooled about their condition? Oh, I'm not really that bad. A leper didn't have that delusion. There was no you know, society of leper affirmation where you'd be with the other lepers if you were a leper and say, well, you don't look that bad. Your leprosy is not that noticeable except you're missing you know, your fingers and your toes and your nose is gone and your ear is drooping off and that's probably going to be gone by morning. Lepers knew what they were. And they knew there was no help for them except, in this leper's mind, Christ, Jesus. And what a marked contrast this is, isn't it? Try to picture this in your mind. This marked contrast between Jesus, the perfect man, and this misshapen, grotesque, broken one, right? I mean, this, this meeting of Jesus and the leper is a meeting of, of purity with pollution, right? Of beauty with pollution disfigurement of glory with shame, of mercy with agony, of love with alienation, of omnipotence with feebleness, of sympathy with suffering, really of life with death. Which one's going to win? Which one wins out? Which will prevail? And on his knees, the the leper Humbly says to the Lord, If you will, you can make me clean. I want you to see what this is. This is a humble confession, beloved, of faith and trust in the power of Jesus. It's humble, but it's faith. And I'll explain to you what I mean by that. Let me explain why I say that for two reasons. First of all, I want you to notice this guy, this leper, doesn't make his way to Jesus and start demanding of Christ what he ought to do, does he? He doesn't come with the agenda. He doesn't come before the Lord Jesus and make a demand and presume upon Him. He doesn't attempt to obligate the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows he's got no claim on Jesus at all. You see that? Man, most people in this in this situation are bemoaning their condition and crying about their rights. We don't see that here at all, do we? Do we? He comes in. and he's humble and he makes a plain statement. If you will, it's your will. It's up to you. Lord, it's not up to me or what I think, or what I believe that I might deserve, or anything else. Lord, it's up to you. It's your will. But, beloved, make no mistake. He believes that Jesus can make him clean. If you will, you can make me clean. It's not a matter of, does Jesus have the power? It's a matter of, does he will to do this? Because he's come to believe that that Christ has the power, even over the most horrific disease of his day. And so, with with a cry of confidence in Christ, he says, you can make me clean. Raspy and wheezing, he cries out to Christ. He knows his utter desperation and his whole hopelessness, apart from Christ's willingness to have mercy on him. He's got no claim on Jesus at all, but he knows what Jesus can do. So what's he going to do? How will Jesus respond to this? Is he going to be like the other rabbis and teachers that would have been repelled and cast him away? Is he going to be like those, those teachers and priests that It would have been revolted at his presence. See, I want you to see this with me, beloved. This isn't like healing a fever. Right? When you heal somebody with a fever, they don't look like this. They don't smell like this. When you heal somebody with a fever... You do it and it's done and you don't really see much. Or somebody who's blind. Or somebody who's deaf. Somebody who's blind or deaf is not revolting. Somebody with a fever doesn't make you go, ugh. So how is Jesus going to respond to him? And Mark, in his typical economy of words, Markness, tells us this. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. That is perhaps... One, is the, one of the shortest descriptions of one of the most magnificent displays of mercy and grace in the word of God. Of compassion and pity. Of kindness married to power. Jesus, Jesus doesn't just speak to the man. Doesn't just acknowledge that he's in his presence Beloved, he reaches out and he touches him. And and don't get the wrong idea here. It's not that Jesus just barely touched him. It's that he laid out his hand and took hold of him. He grabbed him. He laid his hands on him. This man that hadn't felt human contact in who knows how long. He, he lays hold of this man. And he heals him. And nobody could have expected that. But the leper didn't expect that. To the onlooking crowd, it would have been scandalous. The disciples were probably standing there thinking to themselves, man, what did we do? Following him. How is this going to work out? You don't touch a leper. Right? How could the Lord do this? Nobody dared touch a leper, but Jesus did. Jesus did. And I want you to think about that for a moment with me. Beloved, he didn't have to touch him, did he, to heal him? Did he have to touch him? Did he? No, he didn't. He could have just willed it, right? And it would have happened. He could have just spoken to the the leprosy. Leprosy, leave this man, right? He didn't have to touch him. But Jesus purposefully reached out to touch this unclean and this leprous man because he wanted him to know his heart of compassion and love and empathy. He wanted this man to know that he entered into and understood his emotional and his spiritual and his physical pain. He wanted him to know that he cared more than words. And so he touched him. He laid hold of him. He grabbed him. And Mark tells us, verse 42, And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Now you can just read over that without even thinking about what it means. Can't you? You can just read over that without even envisioning what just took place. It's a simple sentence. But imagine this scene, okay? As the power of God compassionately courses through the strong arm of Jesus. This leper, right? This guy whose body is contorted and and, and grotesque and misshapen and it is rotting. This body, the leper, is immediately transformed. Immediately, right? Love that word when Mark uses it. Immediately. Immediately. And everybody saw it. The misshapen face, the sores, the hands and the feet that were once rotting, they are now completely and fully restored, perfectly healthy, right? The voice that was raspy and weak becomes instantly clear and firm. The face that was eaten away, the glassy eyes, the scaly skin, it's all instantly perfect. And he stands before the Lord Jesus Christ completely whole and restored to Life. You know what I think when I picture this? I picture like a a stop action photography thing of like a melting candle but going backwards, you know? Like where the the candle is just completely melted and then you watch as it all of a sudden goes back to its perfect pre-lit form, right? That's what's going on here. Now I don't know about you, but that had to be absolutely Mind-blowing, right? To watch this take place. And to see this guy, imagine him. He's coming in saying, unclean, unclean. And then that gets replaced with, I'm clean! I'm clean! Imagine how shocking this was. Right? Like I said, look, Jesus had, come, had, 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 had done a lot of miracles, right? But visually, this one is the most gripping and captivating of them all. Is it not? I mean, think about it. The others, they were amazing miracles, but most of them, if not many of them, or many of them, if not most of them were were sort of invisible, right? I mean, when Jesus, for instance, cast out a demon, you didn't really see the demon coming out. You just saw the after effects, right? You saw the before and the after. You didn't really see the battle taking place. Same with like healing blindness or making the deaf to hear or making the lame to walk or like I mentioned earlier, healing a fever, right? But the cleansing of this leper was nothing less than the absolute recreation and healing of an entire man in front of your eyes. The reshaping and restoration of what was horrifically ruined and marred to health and wholeness. Such a miracle was, it was awesome. But I'm telling you, if I was there, I'd have been terrified. Wouldn't you? Like terrified in a good way. You know, like, like when C.S. Lewis describes Aslan, right? You know, the, the Christ figure in the, uh, what's the name of those? The Chronicles of Narnia. Man, I'm, ha- I'm having like Joe Biden moments up here. Anyways, but like when, when, when he describes him, right, and like, to be in front of Aslan's teeth was horrifying. But to even stand next to him with his feet, teeth pointing that way was still terrifying. This is remarkable power, remarkable work of, 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 of glory and majesty, right? It was breathtaking. But there's something else I want us to think about in this account real quickly. Because here's the deal. If a man touched an unclean leper, right, he, he immediately became ceremonially unclean, right? He immediately became unfit to worship in the temple and to participate in the social life of Israel until he went through the necessary purification rituals in order to remove sort of the, you know, the barrier between he and the Lord, Correct? Right? So, what does that mean for Jesus here? He just touched a leper. What does that mean for him? Nothing. It means nothing. It means nothing at all, actually. When Jesus, the Son of God, touches something that's unclean or that's defiled, praise God, he's not defiled. The defilement's banished. It's banished. The unclean is cleansed. Now there are theologians, man, they have burned a lot of pages and in ink on this. Debating what t- takes place here as it regards the ceremonial worship laws of the Old Testament. Did Jesus just ignore them? Did he break them? And they will argue about this, honestly, till they're blue in the face. But can I tell you what? I think they missed the obvious. I think they missed the obvious. Look, Jesus is God the Son, right? He's man, but he's also what? God. That doesn't change when he takes on human flesh. He doesn't become a demigod. He doesn't become less than God. He is still God. God and man, one person, right? The ceremonial laws, who are they written for? Well, they were written for men, but specifically men who are what? Starts with an S, ends with an S, has an inners in the middle. Sinners. The ceremonial law, beloved, was written for sinners, for men who were only men. But Jesus is more than a man, right? He's the holy son of God. He's undefiled and pure and righteous. He supersedes the need for the ceremonial law because there is no sin in him. It's... He didn't break the law. He can't break the law and remain our Savior. He can't break the law. But he doesn't here because the law doesn't apply to him. And more than that, what would it mean for Jesus to become unclean in relationship to himself? Right? Right? it's nonsensical The part of the ceremonial law simply does not apply to him that he can deal with disease and death as he does without becoming unclean is because he is not a sinner he is a sinless man the god man the son of the living god and he cannot become unclean that's the point so this is a remarkable moment right it's packed with the proof of the lord's identity in fact the job now, after this glorious thing that's happened, is this former leper is to become a living proof of Christ's person and of his power. Mark tells us in verses 43 and 44, look at it. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. I want to make sure we understand this here, okay? Because Jesus is not acting here like my cat does, Right? Like, I have a cat who is very kind and loving and sweet, right? And you'll pet him. And he seems to be enjoying the whole thing. And then in an instant, he like, his eyes get wild and his ears go back and he bites you and starts kicking your arm. It's like, I want to make sure we understand that when we read that Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. The idea here is not that Jesus like flipped the the invisible switch and went from being compassionate to being annoyed or frustrated with this guy and just wanted to get rid of him. That's not what's going on, okay? That's That's not the idea here. Rather, here's the deal. Jesus is giving to this man who's just been cleansed a specific mission, a responsibility He's charging him, you know? Like Paul charges Timothy in the presence of Christ to preach the word. He's charging him here. He's giving him a charge to go and to present himself to the religious leaders as a proof, okay? This man that was cleansed of the worst kind of leprosy was to go and to testify, not to everybody else in Galilee, but specifically to the religious authorities as a proof to them. Well, a proof of what? A proof that Jesus is more than a man, as proof that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God, and He's the King of the kingdom. Well, how would that come about? Here's how. In the Old Testament, right after Leviticus 13, was this chapter called, you guess, Leviticus 14. And in Leviticus chapter 14, there was described there the process by which a leper could be declared clean by the priest and be restored to the community of Israel. It had lain there unused for centuries. Why do I say that? Here's why I say that. Because there is no account in the word of God of any Israelite being cleansed of this kind of leprosy save for Miriam, the sister of Aaron and Moses. Remember when she and Aaron got the bright idea to oppose, uh, you know, Moses back in Numbers chapter 12 and, and oppose his place as the leader of the nation? And God was like, okay, Miriam, you get leprosy. Boop. Right? And Aaron's like, oh, please don't let her be like the ones who are dead. Tells you she had the worst kind. That one that kills you. she had to go outside of the camp for seven days, and then she was let back in. And you would guess you would assume that they used Leviticus 14 in order to declare her clean and bring her back into the company of the people. But Leviticus 14 hadn't been used for centuries. And it's a really remarkable ceremony. I'm just going to go over it really quickly. I want you to listen to me. I know you, know, you may not want to... It might be too much to take notes. You can maybe look at Leviticus 14 on your, on your own a little bit later. But let me just kind of give you an overview of what took place. Here's what would happen. Because here's why I want to do this, because it's really filled with symbology of, of Christ and his work as our Redeemer. So here's what would happen. It would begin, it was an eight-day process, it would begin when the priest would, would meet the former leper outside of the camp, right, away from everybody else, and he would examine him and certify that he, in fact, had actually been cleansed, right? And then while they were still outside of the camp, here's what would happen. Two birds would be presented along with cedarwood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop. Hyssop. And so what would happen is, as you would take one of the birds and you would sacrifice it over a basin of water, right? And the blood would run into the water. And then you would take that blood and water mixture and you would apply it to the other bird, right? The other bird that was sitting there, and then you would release him to go and fly away to freedom, right? Now that bird would only be released after, would only be set free after it had been sprinkled with the blood of the substitute. Right? That sacrificed bird speaks of the death that would have been that lepers had God not intervened to rescue him. Then that man, the, the Leper, the cleansed leper, would be sprinkled with the blood and the water mixture using cedar wood and, and, and the scarlet cord and the hyssop branch, right? Then the guy would wash his clothing. He would shave the hair from his body. He would, you know, then uh, bathe himself and enter into the camp where his friends and his family would be gathered, and they would rejoice together for seven days. They would rejoice together that he had been brought back to them, right? And then they would, you know, they would... Uh, shave his body, he would shave his body on the seventh day once more, all of his hair, his head, his eyebrows, his beard, shaved again, and he would bathe once more so that like a newborn he was ready to enter into his new life. It was like he was being what? Born again. Then on the eighth day after they'd celebrated for seven the former leper would then offer three lambs as a guilt offering, a sin offering, and a burn offering, all right? So unlike the, the guilt offering and, and, and the sin offering, the, the guilt offering wasn't for the forgiveness of sins. Rather, it was a restitution offering. It was a restitution offering to the Lord to compensate God for the loss of the worship that he is due while this man had been unclean. It's almost like we're reading Ephesians chapters 1 and 2, isn't it? And then, last, his restoration and renewal to a right standing with God would be dramatically emphasized when the priest took some of the blood of the offerings and the oil and mixed it together and then smeared it on this former leper's right ear, right thumb, and his toe. And the picture there, is that the man would hear and obey God's voice afresh and anew, that he would use his hands for God's glory, and that he would walk in God's ways. Then after they received him, afterwards they would receive him again into the fullness of the fellowship of God's people, and there would be one final series of offerings, the last one being a joyous expression of gratitude. In other words, it was like a resurrection took place. And it was feasting and they were singing that would go on into the night. For years, that text had just sat there gathering dust. And yet, here it is, put there by God for just this day. Isn't that remarkable? And Jesus sent this. Man to the priest, to offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded as a proof to the priests and to the religious leaders that Jesus was indeed more than a man, that Jesus is God. God alone can cleanse the leper. This is the only begotten Son of the living God. And you can imagine how it would go when he showed up to the priest, you know. When he showed up cleansed, presumably he'd have to be with family or friends that could testify to the fact that he was once a leper because he didn't bear any signs of it now. Right? When he showed up, they would have to ask him, the priests would have to ask him, how did this happen? How were you cleansed? And what's he going to say? Well, Jesus of Nazareth laid hold of me and he cleansed me. And they would have to pronounce this man to be clean because he was. But here's the deal. It put them on the horns of a dilemma. Do you see it, beloved? Here's the horns of their dilemma. They're forced now by their testimony that this man is clean. He really is clean. They are forced now to either confess that Jesus is the Son of God, again, because only God can cleanse a leper, or they have got to deny what they had plainly seen with their own eyes, or else be, con- or else be condemned by their own verdict, their own words. You either admit he's the son of God, or you condemn yourself because you just said he healed this man, he cleansed this man. So he gives to this leper a vital mission. This is your job. Go do it right. Sends him off urgently. Get going. Don't waste your time talking to everybody else. You can get yourself to the priest, pronto, and then offer, make the offering that Moses requires. But rather than doing what, t- what he's told, we see that his feelings got in the way of faithfulness. Look at it. Look at it. And Mark describes the result of this encounter in verse 45. He said, "But he went out and he began to talk freely about it." and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. I want you to think about this for a moment, right? Jesus' miracle-working attracted crowds, did it not? But this would be at an entirely different level. You follow what I'm saying? That's the whole point. Like, when it gets out that not only can Jesus do, you know, heal fevers and And not only can he heal blind people and deaf people and make the lame to walk and stuff, he can actually recreate the entire human being before your very eyes. Right? Can you imagine? you would be trying to preach to people and there'd be an entire colony of lepers on the march, you know? So he's told not to say anything, but he does. We don't know if this man ever actually made it to the priest as Christ has commanded him to do. But we do know that he didn't obey the command to say nothing to anybody. Now here's what we'll do because we're compassionate beings. You know we're nice people. We look at that and we go well you know what who could blame him right? Right? I mean everybody else saw the miracle too. It was going to get out. It's not like he's the only guy that was talking about it and So we can't be really too hard on the guy because he was zealous and he was excited. And at least he was willing to to spread the news of what Christ has, has done, right? I mean, his feelings just got the best of him. We can understand that, right? Right? No, we can't. No. Well, you're just being harsh. No, I'm not actually. The man had just experienced. I want you to think about this. He had just experienced the power and the mercy of almighty God in Christ. And then he was given a a divine authoritative command for a purpose. Right? Are you with me? And no matter what his feelings were, he blatantly disobeyed the Lord Jesus Christ man. isn't that a hard line no it's a recognition of the Lordship of Jesus Christ are you hearing me follow with me here beloved when it comes to the commands of the Lord when it comes to the word of truth our feelings whether they're good bad or whatever they are of no consequence when it comes to obedience None. I want you to see that. Because people use their feelings as an excuse for disobedience all the time. But feelings are no defense for defying the clear words of the Lord. Period. No, exclamation point. The fact is, this man didn't obey Christ. Jesus spoke to him with all the authority of God. The power of God miraculously had fallen upon him and transformed him. And yet this man did not do what Christ clearly commanded him to do. Instead, in his disobedience, despite his zeal and exuberance, he actually became a hindrance to Christ's ministry. You see that? He became a hindrance to Christ's ministry. In the towns in Galilee. He couldn't continue his ministry in the towns in Galilee. Instead, he had to withdraw out into a wilderness place and people had to come out and see him. He became a hindrance to Christ's ministry. He became a hindrance to the message of Christ. I want you to hear me when I say this, you, beloved, and this is the truth. That's exactly what disobedience does in the life of any professing Christian. Hear me when I say this to you. It's a lesson to us. The application is this. Professing Christ brings with it a responsibility to obey the one whom you profess to be Lord. Doesn't it? Go like this. It does. Jesus said it very plainly. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you do not do what I tell you? Simply put, Simply put, if you are going to testify and speak of the Lord Jesus Christ, then obey him and walk in obedience to his commands lest your profession of him become hypocrisy and a detriment to the advance of his gospel. If you're not going to walk as a Christian, then don't talk about Jesus. You hear me? Because of this man's disobedience, Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. He was out in a desolate place, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Jesus' ministry didn't end, but his preaching tour of Galilee came to a close. It's a disappointing ending, isn't it? Isn't it, kind of? And we can hope maybe that the former leper learned better, you know. Got a little more sanctified down the road if he was truly saved. But, beloved, I don't want us to miss the heart of this entire scene. I don't want us to miss here what Mark means for us to see. What Mark wants us to see here is spiritually we are all lepers in need of the cleansing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we are by nature. That's what we are. The disease of leprosy has always stood as a graphic picture of the destructive power of sin and the fallen human spiritual condition. Like leprosy, beloved, sin is, it's grotesque. It is, it is defiling, it's ugly, it's loathsome, it's repulsive. Our sin renders us unclean and unfit for the presence of God. And yet, and yet, when we are in that horrific condition... As we read in Romans, when we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, right? That while we were yet, you know, enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Here we are in our natural state grotesque, crusted over, wretched sinners. And yet, praise God, yet just as Christ was compassionate to this leper and stretched out his hand and took hold of this unclean flesh with the grip of eternal and gracious love in order to cleanse him, he has done the same for every soul that has repented of sin and trusted in Jesus as Lord. Praise God. And beloved, he's done more than just reach out and touch us. He has taken to himself our flesh, yet without sin. Each one of us, every human being in and of ourselves is a spiritual leper whether we realize it or not. And what's so striking to me, what's so striking to me is that People can be so blind to their spiritual leprosy, can be so blind how corrupt in in the years of filth and sin, and they don't see their need for cleansing. It's remarkable to me, and especially as we see sin more and more unmasked and obvious in our society. Like we're not a genteel society anymore. Sin is on display and it's publicized and it is It is celebrated man I mean think about it in our fallen state we have minds and hearts that are filled with pride and arrogance with lust and with greed with anger and jealousy and discontentment we got hearts that are filled with ingratitude and rebellion a billion other sins lips that lie and slander and gossip and curse that demean and destroy people hands that grasp at glory and fame and sensuality that run to violence, right? And every form of corruption. And yet, people can look at themselves and say, well, I know that those things, some of them are true about me, but I am basically a good person. We're not. No one is. In fact, indifference to the gravity of personal sin is one of the defining characteristics of our age. But you know what? If by God's grace we actually we actually could see a visible repre- representation, a visible form of ourselves apart from the cleansing work of Christ, we would see ourselves just like this leper. That's what we'd see. We'd be the walking dead, we'd be a mass of depravity. But for the Christian, praise God, the glory of Christ is that He laid hold of us in our defiled state by His grace. And he cleansed us from our horrific sin of our souls. And by the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb of God, he has washed away our filth, our iniquity, our corruption, and the filthiness of our sin and made us to be clean, new, healed before the living God. That's the work of Christ. Christ. And we're clothed in righteousness, and we are restored to fellowship with the Father. I mean, think about this, man. Just as he willed to cleanse this poor leper, Jesus wills to cleanse all who believe. There's no sin that's too great. There's no no pit that is too deep. Well, you don't understand, man. Man. I've been a hypocrite for years. So? I've heard a lot of people, so? Well, you don't get it, man. I've been, I'm such a liar and a thief. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. The Lord Jesus Christ, listen, There's no sin that's too great for him. Where sin increased, what? Grace abounded all the more. Isn't that true? So that as sin reigned in death, great, great grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Man, Jesus is willing to cleanse everybody who comes to him just like this leper in honest self-assessment, broken and humble, crying out for mercy, helpless and casting himself, all of his hope for deliverance upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He is willing to receive anyone like that and to cleanse them just as he did this leper and restore them to life he delights to do it he's filled with pity and compassion jesus does a work in the heart and the soul of everybody who believes in him just like that of the body of the leper right if anyone is in christ he is a what you finish it new creation The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. To be cleansed by Jesus means, look, think about the leper. When the leper got cleansed, there weren't like, well, a few more sores that just needed to close up at some point or another, right? He was completely and totally perfect. Perfect. We might say, righteous. The picture is this when Christ touches us, no condemnation remains. And we are clothed with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, and because he has transformed our very nature. He gives us a desire for holiness and righteous living so that we can now serve Christ instead of sin and draw near to God. You know what salvation is? You know what this healing of this leper is? It is a metamorphosis of divine proportions. That's what it is. Charles Spurgeon so wisely says of this text, he says, none of us would imagine that this leper In talking to Christ meant that he would like the Lord Jesus Christ to make him more comfortable, feel comfortable in remaining a leper. That wasn't the goal. If you will, you can make me comfortable in my grotesque nature. Some seem to fancy, Spurgeon says, that Jesus came to let us go on in our sins with a quiet conscience But he did nothing of the kind. His salvation is cleansing from sin. And if we love sin, we are not saved from it. We cannot have justification without sanctification. There is no use in quibbling about it. There must be a change, a radical change, a change of heart, or else we are not saved. That's what Jesus gives. Just as this leper needed a thorough physical change, so do you need an entire renewal of your spiritual nature so as to become a new creature in Christ. The I will of an emperor may have great power over his dominion, but the I will of Christ drives death and hell before him, conquers disease, removes despair, and floods the world with mercy. The Lord's I will can put away your leprosy of sin and make you perfectly whole amen amen the account of this cleansing of this leper is a graphic picture of what christ does instantaneously to everyone who comes to him in faith so how is it that we should respond how do you respond to this right let me just speak to my brothers and sisters in christ here first right when we look at this text i mean the first thing that strikes me is this is that man if christ loved me like that how much ought i love him How much ought my devotion to him be increased and strengthened by what Christ has done? When I behold the graphic depiction of the love of Christ for the unlovable, and I see myself as that leper, there is an increase that must happen in my love and my devotion to Christ. We can't love him too much. We can't love him too much. You with me? What a rescue Christ has performed for us. How he spanned the infinite gulf between us, co- between us and God that was caused by our sin and our disgrace and lifted us out of our self-imposed degradation. That he's loved us like he has. That he loves us as he does, that he will love us with the same invincible love that moved him in compassion to touch us in our depravity and take our sin and our shame upon himself to become the curse for us so that we might be saved. That love calls forth a greater degree of love from all of our hearts. It should. We need to learn and relearn And remind ourselves of our Savior's love for the unclean, of his love for the twisted and the grotesque, what we once were in our souls before his grace saved us and changed us. Because in Christ we see what love is. And seeing that it informs how we ought to love both God and our neighbor, right? Right? Second, I think rightly perceiving the heart of this text, must lead to a greater degree of rejoicing in, in a more abundant and faithful worship and praise of our Savior. You know this, beloved. I know you know this. Joy and gratitude, they grow faint where the desperate need for grace is forgotten, don't they? Don't they? Worship, you know, joy and gratitude and worship, it grows faint where you forget. Just how much you need it. Like, it's so easy for the mercies of God to grow small in our hearts and then for joy and worship to wane. Can I tell you what? A lack of of real exuberant worship is directly tied to seeing yourself as greater than you are and seeing Christ as less than he is. Isn't that true? Don't let Christ and his grace become less than amazing to you. Don't. Don't. Don't insist that it will not happen. Don't let it happen. We've got manifold reasons to rejoice and to faithfully worship him who has made spiritual lepers such as we were clean in his sight. Moreover, let this text move us to an even greater obedience to the Lord. Unlike the former leper in this account who is given the first command after he's cleansed and In one ear, out the other, over his head, right? I don't want to say this specifically to you, beloved, that it might be battling a besetting sin in your life. There's a sin that's in your life that, that is besetting, a sin that you've tried to forsake, but it feels like it's got this impossible hold on you, that it's such a deep sin that even Christ himself can't break you free from it. I want you to hear me when I say this. This account is here in Mark chapter 1 to lovingly tell you, you're wrong. You're wrong. There wasn't a part of this leper that was beyond the power of Christ, was there? I can get it, I can get it done on most of your body, but sorry, you're going to be without a nose for the rest of your life. It wasn't that way, was it? Beloved, if Christ can make a leper whole, he can make you whole too. And he will if you humbly come to him and ask him to do it. And if you're willing to pursue obedience to his commands from the heart, if you are willing to really and truly forsake the sin that is besetting you and seek his grace to do so, he will. Last, Christian, like Jesus, we need to be moved with a heart of compassion towards the untouchables in our own world. It's a sad and sour Christianity that makes a list of everybody we oppose. Well, we don't like these people, or 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 these people. And we're just going to, you know what? I will, at all costs, stay away from that grotesque, misshapen, smelly human being. There are a lot of untouchables in our world, aren't there? We see them every day. There are spiritual lepers everywhere. Some of them wear designer jeans. and Some of them pick through, through trash cans to find their next meal. But beloved, we... We must have the heart of Christ towards those people. Now I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying here. I'm not talking about that ridiculously offensive he gets us commercial that was on during the Super Bowl. Okay? I'm not talking about the kind of love for the untouchables that affirms them in their state And supports them in their idolatry and rebellion against God. That's not love. That's not love. Are you hearing me? It's actually hatred. It's actually despising someone's soul so much and loving yourself too much to be able to say to them, You know what, man? I know this feels right to you, but it's wrong. We need to have the courage not to comfort them in their sin or attempt to soften and mitigate their rebellion against God from some perverted definition of love. But instead, you know what we do? We do the same thing that the Holy Spirit did for us. When he brought us out of death and into life, we have the courage to hold up the mirror of God's law before their face. The law that says you are a leper, the law that says you are defiled, a rebel. Under the just wrath of God. We hold up the mirror of God's law to show people their spiritual leprosy. But then. But then. We must lovingly and gladly tell them of the one. Who delights to cleanse lepers. And invite them to come. And I'll close with these words for you who are here this morning that are still in the leprosy of your sin and you're separated from God and you're under the sentence of His wrath. Hear me when I tell you this. If you are willing to leave your old life, if you're willing to leave your old life behind and to confess and repent of your sin, if you're willing, I invite you to come To the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, to the only one who can cleanse you from your sin by the touch of his hand. By the power of his spirit. By the cleansing flow of of his blood. Come as this leper came to Christ. Confess your true condition before him. Man, in, in humble submission and humble faith, ask for his mercy and his forgiveness. Jesus said, all who, draw, all who the Father draws will come to me, and all who come to me I will in no way cast out. If you're hearing this and you see yourself as the leper that you are, don't miss that drawing force of the living God. If you see your need, God is not showing you, showing you your need so that you can just sit there and, and do nothing. He's showing you who you are so that you'll turn to him who alone can save souls. Christ can make you clean. That's why he took on human flesh. That's why he came into the world as a man, to deliver sinners and to make defiled men and women clean. He stepped out of heaven, right? Took the form of man, came and lived a perfect, sinless life. He earned the righteousness that's required to be in God's presence. And if you will repent of your sin, if you'll come to him, if you'll admit, I can't save myself this sin that i've committed i can't remove it's it's i can't remove its debt i can't remove its wretchedness from me if you come to him and repent of your sin and turn from them and believe and trust and submit in jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins for salvation from god's wrath which you need for eternal life which he offers let me tell you what god will do If you'll only come, let me tell you what God will do. God will count the defilement and the debt of your sin as being on his son when Jesus suffered God's wrath on the cross. He'll remove your defilement and give you the righteousness of Christ so that you can be in the presence of God forever. Christ will cleanse you. God the Father will receive you. And you will be a spiritual leper no more. It's your greatest need. And that salvation can only be found in Christ Jesus. Because he's the only one that can make a leper whole. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we are grateful to you for this word. Lord Jesus, how glorious and great it is to behold your mercy and your compassion, your pity, your love, the extent of your miraculous power. The, the way in which you alone can absolutely transform a leper and make him whole again, make her whole again. And thank you that that's true not only of these physical lepers that we behold in the Word of God, but, Lord, it is true of all of us who are by nature spiritual lepers desperately in need of cleansing Thank you, Jesus, that you're the one who cleanses and saves and sanctifies people like us. Father, I pray for everybody here this morning. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us meditate, Lord God, on the reality of how we love our devotion, the state of our devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord God, to consider and meditate on the state of our worship and, Father, our our gratitude. Help us to meditate on the, the state of our obedience in light of everything that we've heard, everything that we've seen. Let us think about what it means and be willing, Lord God, to be put in places where we can be the voice of Christ to the untouchables and call them to Jesus and help us to see that the untouchables, Lord God, they're not, they're not just from the, what we would say the dregs of society. Lord, they're everywhere, everyone who is not in Christ, is themselves afflicted by spiritual leprosy to one degree or another. And I pray for those that are here this morning, Lord, who are not in Christ, who know, who know they need Jesus, whose eyes have been opened. They know they're wretched. They know they're sinners. God, I pray you'll give them the will, the determination, Father, to come to Christ, repent of their sin, and believe in Jesus and find themselves cleansed. So please come and work, Father, your power in our midst right now as we consider everything that we've heard and we prepare our hearts to sing to you one more time. We love you and we give you glory and we praise you, Lord God, in the name and in the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ, our leper-cleansing king. Amen.